Hi, and welcome to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. It's, uh, you know, the last week of June, and boy, there has been a lot of busy, busy things going on with the two teams and even the Browns who are, you know, taking a hiatus, getting ready for what is what we like to be called in the uh, biz as the time of rest before training camp. So they're kind of in hibernation in here in the NFL season. So they are not doing much, but even the Browns have some news that we'll get to in the show today. But obviously this is guardian season. So we'll start off with the guardians. They went four and two this week, had a good week, swept the A's lost two out of three to the brewers, but really played the brewers. Well, wouldn't take that series as a downer. Actually, it's the first time this season. I can remember the guardians losing a series. And I said, yeah, could have won the series, but didn't take it as a bad series loss because they played the Brewers really well, and the Brewers are a good team. They're just by 500, so pretty equal standing to the Guardians, and the Guardians did pretty well. They just fell short in the extra innings today, losing losing with an Owen Miller double, the old uh, Guardian slash Indian who, you know, that always seems to happen to Cleveland, doesn't it? So that said... Let's take a step back and take the 10,000-foot view. Instead of breaking down games, as we will do from time to time, let's – it's the midway point. Let's take a little glance up as we are now seven – I think we're 77 games in? 77 games in. So officially the midway point. Um, as of uh, – that will be the midway point will be Friday of this week. So we'll do a big midway show, but we're starting – I think to understand where this season's going, I would say in the next month or so, which I didn't get a vibe for the Guardians. What I mean for that is it's been hard at times this season to get some sort of vibe of, I see the Guardians going in this direction. I get a feeling they're on this track. For the first time after this week, I as a fan can say, you know, I, I get the feeling this team is just about, they're about 500, which is a record. They're getting close to figuring some things out in a positive way. They are definitely a bat short. This team is clearly one bat short. They really want to win the World Series and win the whole thing, which, of course, the Guardians do. They're going to have to figure out a way to get a bat. They're a bat short. There's no question in my mind. They are also in the midst of figuring out the catcher position. The catcher position is really in flux with this team. They are going with Bo Naylor right now as the lead. That is a rookie, basically. I know he played a little bit last year, but he's, he's a rookie. So they're putting a rookie behind the plate to catch a staff. A staff that has also young pitchers. Also Cal Quantrill getting back, which we're going to talk about here in a second. So the catcher position is being developed. They're bat short. Their bullpen is starting to get closer to figuring things out. It's not quite to where I'm sure Tito and, you know, Antonetti want it, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. I mean, Stefan, I know, gave up the game-winning hit today, but he's been pitching better as of late. Classe has had a very strong run where he's not blowing saves since the game in Queens against the Mets. He has been very solid. De Los Santos had one bad week, but he's been pretty consistent. Eli Morgan's ERA is under two. Karen Check is working things out in Columbus. Okay, so they're trying to figure some things out there. Okay, 
Okay, but they're start again, they're starting to see some things to me that you can start to get a feel for this team a little bit more. You really can. You get the I at least can put my fingertips on how I believe the team's going to do on a certain week and hasn't been easy to do that so far. So I think we're getting closer to getting the C word consistency. I think the Guardians are almost there, which is a great sign. I don't think they played their best baseball yet. I think the schedule that where you're playing more opponents and not playing the Royals, the Tigers, the White Sox, or Twins as much has challenged this team. It's a reason why they are below 500. Okay, you take that. I believe that will make them stronger, though, down the stretch. And I believe this is making this team more prepared for August and September, even though they're taking some sideways steps and maybe some steps back. That said, winning week, four and two. Here are your four big things for this week to me. Number one is actually maybe surprising people. Cal Quantrill's return is a big story. I'll tell you why. He pitched today in double-A Akron. Let's take a look real quick to see how he's done. I actually just sat down for the first time all day. So let's see what Cal did in Akron today, see if they have any kind of lines. Um, he pitched his rehab start. Let's see. Um, he got his rehab start in. Let's see if they give any fine statistics here. Uh, ba 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 and no, nothing statistical-wise. But okay, so he did pitch today in Akron, but I can't, not seeing any stats on here. Here he did. But the interesting thing that's being bantered and discussed amongst the organization is to bring a six-man rotation. Because Cal's going to join the team in Kansas City. He is coming up soon. Folks, he's going to be here soon enough. So do you add a six-man rotation? Well, is there any disadvantage to that? Well, I'll give you one. The one disadvantage of is it can lead to pitchers not being as sharp. It can also, in a game now that's really focused on relievers, which it is, it's a starter's game. Starters have to get you through the first six innings, a quality start. But this is a league now that really relies on relievers. That rel that puts your relievers short in a way. So if you put a six-man rotation and you're taking one last bullpen on arm out, and again, in the analytic world, in the world that the Guardians are very analytical, you're taking away an opportunity from someone to be in the bullpen. So that's the negative hill on this. You're also not building up normal arm strength, which is a negative. Over time, you want Gavin Williams. You want Bybee. You want Logan Allen to be able to go every fifth day. That's how it works in baseball. And it's very hard to have a six-man staff consistently being in rhythm, from my experience. That said, the reason why the Guardians are suggesting a six-man bullpen is because of the young arms. They've also hinted that maybe Bieber could use the extra day rest. Okay? Maybe he could. Could Savali use the extra day rest? Maybe. Maybe. So maybe a six-man rotation does make sense. Very torn on this. Once Cal Quantrill comes off the IL, do you put in a six-man rotation? Been very back and forth today on this subject. 
I'm leaning towards understanding it sounds like the Guardians are going to go six. I understand it from the standpoint of saving young arms, not wanting to wear them out and get injured. So because of that, the six-man rotation makes a lot of sense. I think it will also help Bieber. I do. I think it will help Bieber rest a little bit more. It might bring up some unique opportunities as well down the road where if you're in a playoff spot to have a long relief appearance for someone to come out of the bullpen and pitch. So you're basically stretching out arms, which is not a bad thing in the postseason. That's where also the postseason has come in handy. There's been a lot of times where you've been bringing in starters or pseudo long relief in these playoff games, and that could go a long way. That can really, I've seen, that can really go a long way in playoff series. So all that to me makes sense. So the six-man rotation, it is a bit archaic. It is something that you don't really see very often anymore. I can't even remember last time the tribe now guard, guards have never done it. I can't remember the last time even the tribe when they were the Indians had gone to a six-man rotation. But it sounds like they're leaning that way. And Cal should be available pretty soon. You would have to think once they get past Kansas City, you will see Quantrill's name come up in the Cubs series. And it sounds like they're going to go six men. And again, there has been hints, there's been hymns and haws that maybe the extra day that Bieber's might have been more exhausted than what he's previously been as a starter. Maybe because of the pitch clock and the pitch clock sequences and the games being speedier, that's worn a, a guy Bieber down. So maybe the extra day rest will help him. Okay. And if that's the case, that's a good thing. So maybe the six-man rotation will work. But it does sound like the Guardians are going to go in that direction. Cal Quantrill, again, he will be joining the team after today. He pitched his he pitched his relief. Um, he didn't pitch his relief, sorry. He was a rehab appearance in A Akron, and he'll be joining the team in Kansas City. He should be off the IL, I would think, by the Chicago series against the Cubs. And it sounds like from indications that the Guardians are going to go to six-man rotation. Interesting. Didn't think we'd see it. It also tells you one other thing. The Guardians really like their young staff of Williams, Allen, and Bybee. They like those pitchers, and they don't want them to go anywhere. So that is also a credit to this young staff. They like how these guys are doing, and they've pitched well. And look, Williams has only had one appearance. But you can tell he's ready. Bybee, I thought, was magnificent on Saturday. And Logan Allen's blown me away on three different appearances. I thought his starts alone in Baltimore, Minnesota were so impressive. He lifted the team, I thought, on, on that road trip. I really did. I thought Logan Allen's I thought Logan Allen's starts in Baltimore and Minnesota were veteran-like and how he led the club to victory. And he really did. He lifted the team spirits. You can't sit Logan Allen. You can't sit Gavin Williams. And I don't think he can sit Bybee at all. You put Cal Quantrill in the bullpen? Probably not. And again, I don't think, which we're going to get to after this segment, the Bieber story of what you do with him. So six-man rotation, buckle up. It is coming. And the Guardians do go on a stretch here soon where they don't have a day off. Starting in this road swing, they play six straight, then they play seven straight at home, three against the Braves and four against the Royals. So they're getting ready to go into a stretch before the all-star break of where they have 
non-stop baseball, no days off. So the Cal Quantrill coming back is not just as simple as he's back. It's going to impact the rotation with six men. Unless something drastically changes in their plans or some trade happens or something weird happens, that's where your Cleveland Guardians are going starting very, very soon. We come back for break. We will be doing more Cleveland Guardians baseball. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. For all your great Cleveland content, please go to believeintheland.com. Myself, Todd Hall, and many others behind the scenes putting together a sports website just for us Cleveland fans that focus on the three teams, including Buckeyes football. Also focus in on in-city activities. You can go on to a site called 216 and beyond. Gives you great listings for things to do in the summer. It is a must-have in your Rolodex for websites. Believeintheland.com. That is Believeintheland.com. Also, check us out on Believe in the Land YouTube page. And then finally, after every final pitch, after every shot is scored, after the Browns take the final knee and the gun goes off, go to at Official Cleveland Sports. It's part of the Believe in the Land media company. That is at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. I'm there after every game, including every football game for the Buckeyes as well, coming up in the fall. That is at Official Cleveland Sports. Check us out back to the guards so cal Quantrill coming back now let's go to our top so that's topic number one for big four this week topic number two for the big four is a trade beaver um trade beaver <laughs> uh i've been so hustling around today all day I might take a sip of my coffee just to get some caffeinated <laughs> energy in my brain Shane Bieber trade rumors. That's what I was trying to say. Not train Bieber. Shane Bieber trade rumors. Those have subsided. I don't think Bieber is going anywhere. And I think there's now two or three main reasons. The first one's the most important one. The Guardians need Bieber. They really do. You cannot win a big-time playoff series. You cannot go far in the playoffs without Shane Bieber especially now that Tristan McKenzie, who this is the part to be. He is, we kind of already knew this, but it you can tell where the Tristan McKenzie story is going as of now. He's definitely out until September this year. He probably more than likely, I would guess, is going to be out for the rest of the season because of precaution, because they're trying to avoid at all costs Tommy John surgery, which is understandable. You don't want a guy like Tristan McKenzie to have Tommy John, you can you can understand that that there's no there's no doubt. I would feel that way. I'm sure McKenzie feels that way. I'm sure there's other people feeling that way. That you want to avoid that at all costs. So totally understandable. So because of that, you need Shane Bieber because you cannot go in a playoff series with Logan Allen, uh, Bybee, and Zavali. I mean, that's what you're kind of looking at. You can't can't do it. I mean, there's just I just can't do it. You got to have a Bieber who has won the playoffs, who's pitched well in tough situations like playing against and pitching against the Rays. He did that last year and won. Pitched really well against the Yankees last year in New York. Did a tremendous job there. I mean, he is a gamer. He's a Cy Young Award winner. Now, to part two this conversation with, with Bieber, you know, he's having a hard time with the home run ball. 
his velocity is down as well. More people get worried about the latter, the velocity, and I can understand why. His strikeouts are down, even though in his last start he did have, I believe it was eight strikeouts. But, his, but still, his strikeouts are, are very down from where they should be. Uh, not, not the norm for him. And um, in his last start, he had eight strikeouts against Milwaukee. I apologize. He had eight. But still, for Bieber, that'd be a given start. He really has not had that um, kind of Ks this year. In 10 starts, I mean, 10 starts, sorry. He's got a 5-5 five and five record and 369 ERA. And, his, and already his ERA, I mean, sorry, his, his strikeouts are at 77. That is not Shane Bieber-like. In 16 starts, I mean, that's just not Shane Bieber-like. That's less than seven strikeouts a game. He's more like nine or ten strikeouts a game. So his velocity's down, his strikeouts are down. But I think the more stat to me that alarms me is his home runs. I mean, he has given up quite a few home run balls this year. In 12 starts, he's given up 12. That's a lot for Bieber. That's almost a home run a start. That's not good. And he's giving up home runs in big spots. That is obviously not good. There's a dual end of the purpose of this. One is you're losing these games of Bieber sometimes. Not good. Bieber needs to give this team length. Hence the reason why they're going to a six-man rotation because they can't rely on rookie pitchers to give them length. That's fair. To rookie pitchers, you don't want to blow their arms out, and you got to give the bullpen relief. So you understand it. An extra day's rest, you may pitch as a young starting pitching more. Makes sense. But Bieber needs to give length, and he really at times – as of late, hasn't given a lot of quality starts, six innings plus in less than three runs. That combination adds to another overall problem. Shane Bieber's trade value is not as high as we probably once thought. I don't know if teams are really seeking out Shane Bieber. Now, teams are seeking out starting pitching, and Bieber certainly fits that mold. And again, at the end of the day, I don't care what anybody says. Shane Bieber has a lot of trade value because he's consistent. He's played in the playoffs and he's, he's a Cy Young award winner. Those bring a lot of accolades into a trade. He's also very, he's under team control next year. There's nothing wrong. They're, they're going to get offers for Bieber, but because they're in the playoff hunt with young starting pitching and no Tristan McKenzie, you cannot bank on Tristan McKenzie coming back in the 2023 season. So you gotta keep Bieber for that. The other two things are his velocity is home, his velocity is down, his home runs are up, and that brings his trade value is somewhat down. I don't know if trading Bieber right now is the best option for the Guardians. I think they really need to hold on to him. They need to see they need for just trade value alone for getting the other part of this. Because there's still three games under 500, and you can't figure a team that's under 500 is going to the playoffs. And right now, the Guardians are currently under 500. Okay, well, put that aside for a second because they are in the AL Central, which is a terrible baseball division. Terrible. But Bieber has things. Velocity down. Home runs up. Hasn't his ERA is almost close to four. It's closer to four than it's closer to three. You know, those are eye-opening things. Plus, when the Guardians usually trade a pitcher like this, they are usually, you know, sadly lately have been heisting the other team. The Kluber, ta- the Kluber trade to Texas, 
heavily favors Cleveland. The Mike Clevender trade to San Diego heavily favors Cleveland. So teams are going to be less hesitant to do this trade, probably because of that as well. These all play a part. All these add up to, I don't see Shane Bieber being traded. I do in the offseason, unless he songs, signs a long-term deal. That aside, even if he, I, I don't see this be, being a place where he's going to be here for very much longer after this season. I just don't see it. I think he will be traded in the offseason. During the season, I just don't see it. That's point number two. So Kyle Quantrill coming back, being a six-round rotation, which is a big story, is number one. Number two is the Shane Bieber trade. Number three is what to do with Fry and Arias, the right field situation. And what's throwing Brennan to? Because this is now a quandary. Brennan got hurt this week. He is now playing again, though, which is good. David Fry's hitting the ball consistently, but he doesn't have a position. He does not play really a great right field. He doesn't play a great catcher, and he's not naturally a first or third baseman. But he can hit. He's been hitting since spring training. Arias is the complete opposite. Arias is not hitting. But he can field. My gosh, can the kid field. He does a very nice job. But here we are again in another situation with um, with a team from Cleveland that's all or nothing. David Fry gives you a lot of offense. Do you really trust him defensively anywhere? Uh, probably not. Doesn't really feel like he has a fit. But Arias does have a fit defensively. In fact, you can put probably Arias in multiple different positions. But he really does not have anything at the plate right now. He's, he's really pressing. He, he feels like a guy that needs to go down to Columbus, figure some things out in the swing, and come back. And then you got Brennan. And Brennan is a situation that he played well until he got hurt. And I like to see more Brennan, too, obviously. And then you have Miles Strawn, his 234 batting average. But I want to see more day. I want to see more David Fry hit again. He can hit. He had another big hit yesterday in a big spot. Got to figure out a way to get him into this lineup. I think the Guardians are going to have to get creative, and I think Arias is going to need to go down. But I think more importantly, once Cal Quantrill gets pulled back into this roster, I think they're going to need to send down Arias. I really do. Don't think we're going to be able to go to him much longer. And David Fry is going to have to figure out a position defensively because they need his bat. And I would keep my eye on the Miles Straw situation. Brennan got another hit today, too. You have to wonder at some point for the lack of hitting, do you see a Brennan center field and a David Fry right field? From the batter's perspective, you like it. From the defensive perspective, you're losing a lot. But the Guardians haven't had a lead defense this year, and they're not, you know, they're, they're not hitting, as we all know, to what they need to do to win. It puts them in a really big quandary. Because again, from a hitter's perspective, what you do is pretty simple. David Fry, right field, Will Brennan, center field. Quan left field. 
J-Ram, Rosario, Jimenez, Bell at first, or Naylor, and the other one's DHing. Bo Naylor catching. Or do you keep Miles Straw at center field and you put David Fry behind the plate? All things to think about. Maybe you send down Cam Gallagher. I think Cam Gallagher is another option. I've seen enough of Cam Gallagher. He's a nice guy. I think they need the bat of David Fry more than the Cam Gallagher at this point, too. It's another consideration for this team. These are all options. But the David Fry Aria situation is one to really keep your eye on because, again, Arias can't hit. Can't hit. Guy just cannot hit. And it's to the point where they need at bats. And again, I would keep your eye on the situation with Mastra. He is not playing elite defense. He's playing very good defense. But elite is like that top cut. And he's not quite doing that. But what Straw does is he wins games. He has good war. So because of that, they keep him in there. But I would keep my eye on the war, again, on the on the for a pure hitting strategic position. If you're going, we're just going to focus on our bats only. Brennan's in center field. David Fry's in right field. Bell Naylor, you switch off first base and DH. Or you put Fry behind the plate and you put Straw in center field. But I think they want Bo Naylor to groom him into catcher. So it kind of puts him in a tricky position, kind of a pickle. But they got to find a way to get David Fry's. I mean, he kid can hit. Kid can hit. He's been hitting since spring training. Got to find a spot for him. He doesn't play enough. Sorry. They got to find a spot for him. It's going to sacrifice something on this team. But the Guardians need more lifting from their bats, and he can provide that, I think, on certain nights. So that's your Fry and Arias note. That's number three. And number four, just overall, the J-Ram, Jose Ramirez machine just keeps uh, just keeps chugging, doesn't it? No one's been hotter than Naylor. Naylor is almost hitting as as much as arises for the Dolphins. For the Dolphins, I was say Dolphins, but the Marlins. <laughs> Dolphins, different sport, of course. <laughs> Football. But, um, boy, arise. Thank God he's not playing for the Twins anymore. That was, a, that was not a good trade for the Twins. Um, they're already regretting that. But, you know, Naylor's playing very well. He's, he's had a lot of clutch situations. He had two more hits today. And then Jay Ram's also very hot. He's hitting above 400 in his last two or three weeks. Hitting the ball very well. The Again, one, three, and four is pretty solidified. As it's never really been a question, but it's pretty solidified. Quan, I think Rosario is your two. He's starting to come on again. To Rosario, I know people get frustrated by Rosario, and I get it. But the guy in clutch situations can hit, and that that has a lot of value. A lot of value. Super Rosario. He's back. Guy can hit in big spots. His defense was good today. Rosario had a good glove today here on Sunday. It's only one day, I know. But still, you take the little wins. That is certainly a little win today. Rosario's got to play a better glove. He's shown it here today. Hopefully that keeps up for him. Very good to see. But Jose and Naylor have really lifted this club with their bats in the last two weeks. Cal Quantrill's back. Big news story. The bigger news story is they're going to go six-man rotation. 
Someone will be sent down. My guess is when he gets healthy, my guess is Arias. I think Arias will get sent down. I do. I think this three catcher thing, they're going to force David Fry in that outfield. They need to force his bat in there. Shane Bieber trade rumors. Nothing has changed for me. You cannot trade Shane. Just can't do it. Jay Ram and Nail are hot. We talked about Fry and Arias. Those are your four things for this week. Winning week for the Guardians, four and two. Good week. They head on the road. They play a very winnable series again. They play at Kansas City. Hopefully they can take uh, th all three or two out of three. And then they go to Wrigley Field to play the Cubbies. Cubs are playing better as of late, but they should they should still on this road trip be able to go. You would think at least three and three, hopefully four and two. And that will start climbing them out of this under 500 situation, which is the goal. They are still three games um, under 500, 37-40 going into Tuesday. That's your Cleveland Guardians. Attendance is way up, by the way, way up for Guardians games, which is great, great to see. We come back a little June, Cleveland Browns. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. You can check out wonderful, wonderful post-game comments. As soon as the Guardians game is over, you want instant analysis, I give it to you at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. That is at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Check it out. Also, check out BelieveInTheLand.com for all your Cleveland sports news dedicated to the three teams, also dedicated to things around the city. Go to BelieveInTheLand.com. Also, check out Believe in the Land YouTube page, all sorts of videos throughout the week to help you get through the summer. We don't take a break. No, 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 no. I work all hours. Dunkin' Donuts knows me by name and by heart. I got so many points at Dunkin' Donuts. You know why? Because I need the caffeine to be the sports machine in this city. Believeintheland.com. Believe in the land. Just, just, just go there to help my kids out with my analytics. Thank you. Thank you. Believeintheland.com. At official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Browns. There are some things to talk about. There's not a ton. It's June. There's no injuries, which is good. The Browns have been lucky. We've had plenty of times here in June where we've been talking about injuries or suspensions or drama, which has all been escaped here so far, which has been good to see. Um, there are some things that are starting to get figured out here in the background, and there's some things I'd like to talk about as we look forward to the Browns again. This time between now and really July 18th, 19th, just as they ramp up to go to um, West Virginia, they're going to a private facility for eight days to train before they come back to Cleveland. They start camp again on the 22nd of July. Um, but there are some things that are coming up that do hit the Browns. Number one is DeAndre Hopkins. Let's start off with him. So there's a report on front in the, in the website called Bro Bible, B-R-O, not P-R-O. BROBible.com, but never heard of them either. But they did get a report, according to ESPN's Diana Rossini, who I we do trust. Diana's got a great reputation. And, Dion, and, and Diana was quoted as saying, it sounds like Hopkins is going to go to one of two places. It sounds like he's going to go to the Tennessee Titans, or the New England Patriots. Rossini, quote, he's mulling over and trying to come out with a decision. 
with what he wants to do. It sounds like he's in no rush, but it does sound like it's down to either playing in Nashville or playing in the Boston Foxborough area for the Pats. No mention of Browns at all. So what does this mean from afar? Well, it clearly means the Titans and the Patriots have made an offer, an offer enough for Hopkins is seriously considering it. It also means that Hopkins is finally at a point where he is trying to put pressure on a team like the Browns and maybe others to put up more money, to pony up some sort of offer. Because I think, and I know in my heart, those reports that usually come out, they usually come out with the intention of, we like what we have, but we'd like to have more leverage in negotiations or we'd like to have some different options to where he really wants to go. And the Patriots and Titans, they're nice, but we're holding out because, you know, <laughs> we wouldn't mind to go somewhere else or get some more money to go somewhere else. Blah, 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 blah. I think he's holding out for more money at the end of the day, I also, which is fair to him. You want to try to make as much money as you can in any kind of sport. I don't fault players from that. So I would be doing the same thing. I think he also, if I were looking at it from afar, the Tennessee Titans are kind of going through a rebuild. Not a full rebuild, but they're certainly not the favorites anymore in that division. That title now belongs to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But because the Texans and the Colts are both looking terrible, you know, Tennessee Titans is not a bad option because you can still win in that division and possibly go to the playoffs through the Titans. Not, not impossible. And the Pats are kind of, for the first time in a while, kind of a mess. You know, do you believe the Mac Jones situation with Belichick? Belichick bringing in, um, you know, had to bring in a new defensive coordinator, O'Brien, who he's known before in the past. Does Hopkins want to go back to O'Brien? That's a whole other thing, too. All those make for, you know, interesting decisions. But let's talk about from the Browns' perspective. Do we want... Do we want Hopkins? I think we do. And again, people are like, what, our wide receiver position looks really good right now. And that's true. Yes. We don't want to spend the money. We want it for other positions. Very true. DeAndre Hopkins is in the latter half of his career. That's also true. But I think DeAndre Hopkins will play well with Watson and will give Watson another security blanket. And frankly, I want that. I, as a Browns fan, want Watson as comfortable as possible in a 2023 season. And there's no doubt he and his and one of his good buddies to play with isn't a bad thing. I don't see it as a bad thing. And I think Hopkins would play well under a system where they're not going to be relying on him at 65% and above on downs. They don't have to. Hopkins can play probably 50% of the downs, maybe less, which I think would actually help Hopkins' career. I think it would make for a longer career. I think it would be a better career. It'd be better for him to come off the bench in uncertain downs and situations. I like that. And plus, in today's NFL, the Browns, you can't guarantee these guys are going to stay healthy the whole year, and we all know that. So to have Hopkins as a safety net is a, a good thing. I would like to see the Browns bring him in. I think people are getting way too wrapped up into who's going to, who's not going to start? Oh, my God. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. This is the NFL. Players get hurt. Having DeAndre Hopkins as a backup is not a bad thing. 
Not a bad thing at all. In fact, it's a good thing. DeAndre Hopkins being friends and playing well with Deshaun Watson in the past is a good thing. I think he'll want to play up for Deshaun Watson. I think he's going to want to play hard for the Browns. Those aren't bad things. Those are good things. I think DeAndre Hopkins coming to Cleveland makes a lot of sense. For the right price. You can't break the bank. So hopefully the Browns can make one more pass here, DeAndre Hopkins. But it does sound like he's going to be going to the Titans or the Patriots unless the team like the Browns or someone else will be coming in last second to snatch up Mr. Hopkins. That's a report from the Diana Rossini. Time will tell, but it does not sound like Hopkins at this time here on the 25th of June is going to be coming to Cleveland. Number two storylines of running back and free agency. There's been a lot of chatter. There's been a lot of people popping up their heads saying, hey, we could use one more running back. And that's not, let's just start. This is a reminder to everyone out there. We have Nick Chubb. We all know that. But this is the one position by far you have to have a good second back. You have to in this league. Frankly, you need to have good two and a half backs, meaning you need to have two starters and someone who's in the background who's going to be playing on certain weeks because one of the two, either the the main backup or your lead back is going to have to sit. It happens. It is the one thing that's guaranteed in this sport. You have to have really two and a half running backs. Well, as you look right now on the roster, the Browns are going with Demetri Felton, John Kelly, and a bunch of other guys. And, you know, you're still, your number two guys, Jerome Ford. So to sign a free agent running back makes a lot of sense. But is there really a sense of urgency for the Browns to do that? Eh. Here's why it's kind of eh. Because you have Dalvin Cook, you have Ezekiel Elliott, you have Leonard Fournette all available. Dalvin Cook is definitely the best and big name, but that's going to be the most expensive. And Elliott and Fournette, you're probably going to get at a good price. So there's no reason to rush or to want to make a land grab at a certain running back because there's plentiful running backs out there. So for people freaking out that they need another running back, which I do agree with, I don't know if there's a sense of urgency to do so because the market, this is one of the rare things in the NFL, there's actually more of a buy, you know, there's a good plentiful veterans out there. The Browns don't have to hurry up to get a certain running back. They just don't. The Browns can actually be patient here. And I think they are being patient, which is a good thing for our Browns. Again, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel, Leonard Fournette are all available. Those are all very capable third, third running backs. So there's no rush. There's probably other guys out there we don't even know about the Browns are sniffing. But yes, the Browns could use a veteran running back. And it makes sense. But the rush to sign one, eh. I don't know if I'm seeing it. I don't know if you have to rush because you got guys out there. Why not let the market come to you? And then finally, the third story for this week is I was looking through free agents as I was looking for veteran running backs. It was interesting. There was three ex-Browns, all still available, that had major roles in this team last year. Shadavian Clowney, Kareem Hunt, and John Johnson. All three are currently unsigned. 
makes you wonder, boy, maybe the 2022 Browns, as we all know now, weren't as good as we thought. I mean, one year later, could you imagine the Browns didn't have either one of those three guys on your team? And by the way, they're not even currently signed to another club. Makes you feel good maybe about this year's team. It makes you really understand maybe 2022 was overhyped from beginning to end. It's amazing that Clowney, Hunt, and Johnson don't have teams. Not either. I mean, those were three key guys. John Johnson, key guy. Clowney, big role. Cream Hunt was the relief for Nick Chubb. And Cream Hunt was productive. Jadavian Clowney was very productive in 2021. We had high hopes for John Johnson. But boy, the NFL giving a rude awakening to those three key Browns. Neither. All three are currently still available, not on a team. Found out to be very, very, very interesting. Again, makes you feel good. Maybe 2023 is maybe a bigger jump up than we think. Maybe Sedaria Smith's a big jump up. Maybe McLeod's a big jump up. Maybe Jerome Ford, who we've heard very good things from coaches. But for people who've seen him, find him impressive. Maybe Jerome Ford's going to make a big jump over what Kareem Hunt did last year. It's certainly from the free agency market. The NFL is telling you these three guys aren't cutting it anymore on a big-time level. That's your Cleveland Browns stuff for this week. Again, I think the biggest one's DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins looks like it's narrowing down to two teams. I wouldn't freak out about this running back situation. If you want a veteran running back, there's plenty to choose from right now. And Clowney and Kareem Hunt and John Johnson, remember those names? None of the three right now currently have a team. Amazing. Those were big names for the Browns last year. Welcome to our last segment here of the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. And again, check out believeintheland.com. Check me out at Official Cleveland Sports. All sorts of great sports commentary, sports thoughtfulness by Todd Hall, myself, and many others who are diehard Cleveland fans all the way through, baby. All the way through. Tell Todd Hall there's nothing better than a Brown Sunday fun day. Let's go, Brownies. Can't wait for the can't wait for the fall. Can't wait for the fall. Getting excited about the Browns. Let's get excited about the Cavs real quick. Amani Bates, who is that? He is our second-round draft pick that's coming to the Cavs. Amani was drafted overall 49th in the second round. Um, this was a risk-and-reward pick for the Cavs, plain and simple. This guy, Amani Bates, has got an interesting, interesting story. He has been all over the celebrated basketball map. He, at one point in 2017, as a 13-year-old middle schooler, think about that, 13-year-old middle schooler, Bates was being recruited and got a scholarship to play at DePaul University. That's how good this kid was. That's how early schools were going after Mr. Bates. He was the 2019-2020 Gatorade Player of the Year for boys basketball. I mean, he was a great high schooler, let alone middle schooler. He ended up going to play for Memphis. Transferred after that to Eastern Michigan. Had some issues off the floor. Had a gun charge. 
that he had to, you know, I forget, well, I'll get the exact term here. He had a gun in the car illegally, and he pleaded down to a misdemeanor charge of that. In Eastern Michigan, he got benched by his coach, who was Stan Heath. Stan Heath, famed coach for Kent State back in the early 2000s. It took him to the Elite Eight. Eventually went on to coach Arkansas, South Florida, and now Eastern Michigan. Bates also had some great times at Eastern Michigan. He scored 30 against Michigan, 36 against South Carolina, and 43 against my Toledo Rockets. I went to the University of Toledo. So Bates has had good moments. He was third-team All-Mac. Man, it's not... That's not elite with 19 points and 5.8 rebounds a game. He also played for a team that went 8-23. and 23. So he did not lift the Eastern Michigan team to any kind of new heights. So this is a total risk reward. I mean, this is a young man at one point who's considered, as I like to say in basketball, the next player who's up next or some sort of phrase with the word next. He was that guy. He was that guy by 1920. He was recruited on a very big recruiting class. He looked like he was going to go to Michigan State. He ended up getting scooped up by Penny Hardaway in Memphis, and he did not play well in Memphis. Varying reports why. Some reports said in Memphis he didn't even try that hard. He had supposed a back injury and checked out. Scouts are all over the place on what to think of Bates. One scout wrote, let me get the quote, he, quote, plays a losing brand of basketball. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Another one I read praised him for playing well at the NBA Draft Combine and really impressed, really, really impressed some scouts. The Athletic, who I do rely on from, uh, you know, commentary and journalism, and also, you know, breaking down sports. One gentleman had Bates ranked pretty high, 70 Another gentleman, John Hollinger, didn't even have him ranked. And they work for the same company. They are very torn on what to think on Bates. He is the definition of risk and reward. So why did the Cavs draft this young man? He is a 6'9 shooting guard who could probably play the wing if he develops properly. It's really easy when you read one or two things from Bates. Tons of potential, that P word. Can the Cavs flip it to make him an NBA player? Because clearly at times throughout his life, people have thought Bates will be a star. I mean, he went to Memphis as one of the top kids in the country. He was the Gatorade Player of the Year for boys basketball. They just don't give that award away. He went all the way from that to 8-23 and 23 Eastern Michigan team. I mean, that's a pretty wide barometer. But the Cavs need a wing, and they need a tall, bigger guard. At 6'9", he can give them that. He can shoot. But he has a lot of things to work on. I mean, he is an ISO ball player. That's not what the Cavs do. The Cavs also have a good harmonizing locker room. Bringing in someone like Bates, maybe they can try to help him out. Maybe the young man needs some inspiration and playing for the Cavs will help him. We don't know. If you tear down this pick, I'll tell you, I don't think that's fair. 
if you say, hey, it's a good risk and if it doesn't work out, it's okay, that's not fair either. Yeah, second-round picks are very valuable right now in the Cavs. They don't have first-round picks. So second-round picks have a lot of value. They should anyways. These are not throwaways. Cavs need to make sure to maximize what they have because of their luxury tax and their cap situation. They have to be very diligent here. I would think Bates is going to play a lot of summer league ball. I'm looking forward to hearing how he does. And we'll see what we got here. Time will tell. But again, you can't really get too upset about this pick. And again, I wouldn't be too loosey-goosey about this pick either. It really is somewhere in between. And we're going to find out soon enough if Bates can play. But don't think of it too harshly. And again, I wouldn't celebrate and think, oh my gosh, if it doesn't work out, it's okay. But it is a very high risk of reward play here. And we'll see if the Cavs can develop someone. They really need a 6'9 shooting guard slash wing. That was what's available with Bates. Let's see if they can make it flip. I would read his stories. There's a lot of articles about Bates online. He's an interesting read. Hopefully the young man's career and life turns around in Cleveland, Ohio. Because that would be the story we all want to read someday. The Cleveland Guardians are 37-40 and 40, heading into a 13-game stretch here before the All-Star break. They start in Kansas City. Cal Quantrill's coming back. It sounds like the Guardians are going to go to a six-man rotation. They're going to have to figure out who to send down. I gave my I gave my um, expertise here. I really do think it should be uh, Arias is sent down. That would be my selection for it. We'll have to see if that comes true with the Guardians. The Cavaliers drafted Amani Bates. We talked about the risk and reward there. Hopefully the storyline works out for the Cavaliers. And then finally, the Cleveland Browns, DeAndre Hopkins. It sounds like he is going to the Tennessee Titans or the Patriots. Hopefully the Browns make one last stab at Mr. Hopkins. That is your week in sports here for Cleveland, Ohio. And that's the week that was in Cleveland sports. <laughs> My name is Andy Billman. Thank you for listening to the Believe in the Land show podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys have a great week. Check it again soon. Go to believeintheland.com. Check it out now. Talk to you soon. Thank you.